Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us about the authority and power of the Bible. God desires your obedience and mine more than anything else. He doesn't care about your works. He doesn't care about anything except your obedience to the revealed will of God. If you and I are obedient to those words, then everything else is going to go flow out of our lives, the actions, the works, everything else. But when we put all those other things before the obedience of the Word of God, God doesn't look at anything that takes place. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Some of the sweetest words a mother or father can hear are, Yes, Mom, and Yes, Dad. Well, it's no different when it comes to being obedient to our Heavenly Father. Today, as we join Pastor Xavier for his continuing study in the book of Leviticus, he shows us how important it is to live in complete surrender to the will of God. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. I've entitled the message, Disobedience is Profane Fire to God. The tabernacle has been erected, anointed, and the Shekinah glory of God has appeared. The instructions for the sacrifices have been given and received. The priesthood has been consecrated and inaugurated. And now for the very first time, Aaron and his sons partake of the worship of God offering strange fire. The consequences, the Lord is displeased and he devours both Nadab and Abihu with fire. Why? What was their sin? Does God still work in this very same manner? What are we to understand and learn from this section of Scripture? How does it apply to us? And that's exactly what we want to look at this morning. There are some things in the Old Testament, sometimes you say, well, so what? How does that fit in my life? And yet, in Romans and Corinthians says that all things were written for our admonition, for our learning. Lest we come to the very same place that these people of the Old Testament did. We are to learn. There is nothing recorded in the Old Testament or the New that is superfluous, that is not needed. There is not one word that is just to make it a bigger book. But everything is there for you and for myself. And that's why we encourage you to go systematically, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, on your own, once a year. You need to know what's in the Bible. You need to know so that the Holy Spirit can bring to your mind the verse, the scripture, the chapter, the occasion when you are walking through life. If you don't put it in, the Holy Spirit is not going to bring it out. And we need to come to the Word of God with reverence and recognizing that it is inspired, it is infallible, it is inerrant, and it is God's revelation for you and for myself, for every generation. No one is excluded. Let me read verses 1 through 3. He says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people 
I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. I want to look at verses 1 through 3 right here and look at the sin of Aaron's sons. Then we want to look at the sin repeated by people in Scripture. And then we want to finish by looking at the sin practiced today. So that we can see how the event took place, how it's not a unique circumstance, but you find it through Scripture, and how in spite of the warning, it still goes on today in many different forms. And yet by God's mercy, he doesn't always take the action that he took here. Thank God. Otherwise, many would be the slain of the Lord. Now, the first thing we want to look at is the nature of their sin. I've already implied it. The nature of their sin is disobedience. Isn't that what really sin is? It's a conduct, an attitude, an action contrary to what God has revealed in His Word. If we walk in obedience, then we walk in fellowship. We're not in sin. If I align myself with the will of God, the Word of God, then I'm in the light. I'm in fellowship. I'm one with God. But when I walk out of the light, when I disobey, when I, my heart is not right, regardless of what's going on outside, God sees the heart and He acts regarding the heart, not the action. Now see, you and I, we walk along with each other and we can fool each other. You can hug me and say, oh, Merry Christmas. That's how you're saying, I hope you die. <laughs> I'll never know it. But we can't do that with God. That's what makes Him God. Now, some have declared that they attempted to enter the Holy of Holies. And there is some scriptural evidence for that. Just keep your hand there. If you'd like, you can turn to just chapter 16 of Leviticus. And here's the scriptural evidence for it. It's not just speculation, but there's some scriptural backing for it. This is the Day of Atonement, the Day of Yom Kippur, once a year, where the priest would go into the Holy of Holies after many washings, many sacrifices, to offer the sins of the nation, and the two scapegoat, one scapegoat would be uh, let loose, the other one would be killed. Once a year, the sins of the nation of Israel, they still practice it today, except they have no sacrifice. They work off their sins. <laughs> okay? They have no sacrifice. And notice what he says. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. Here's the connection. It's very clear. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron... Aaron, your brother, not to come at simply any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. And so there is scriptural evidence that maybe they did try to go into the Holy of Holies. At least this would give us a scriptural basis for that speculation or opinion. That's a possibility. Others say that they offered the fire at the wrong time. Because remember, God has spent meticulous time giving all the instructions. So they do it exactly right. And the first sacrifice, they blow it. It could be, but we don't have any scriptural evidence for that. So that's just 
man's opinion. But notice that their sin was that they offered profane fire. That's another thing we know in verse 1 of chapter 10. And he underlines this by saying, which he had not commanded them. So they offered this strange fire. Very possibly they attempted to enter the Holy of Holies. But the focus here in verse 1 of chapter 10 is strange fire. It wasn't the incense. Nothing is said about the timing. As a matter of fact, the Holy of Holies is not even emphasized here in this context, but it's profane fire or strange fire. If you have the old King James, the word there basically means to turn aside. It's used of a stranger to another household, to another person, to another land, to a strange woman or the adulterers of Proverbs, someone who is not rightly related. So this is the common idea and thread as this word is used throughout Scripture. Not being rightly related or removed from mutual identity. This was the problem with them. Nadab and Abihu had deviated from the prescribed manner of worship God had commanded them. You say, isn't that kind of harsh? Not really. When God is God and He's holy, we're sinful, and He's the one that condescends. He's the one that comes down. He's the one that initiates. He's the one that approaches. He's the one that lays everything out. He's the one that is preparing the people. And He goes time after time and article after article, detail after detail, and He lays it all, and He warns, and He warns, and He warns. And all of a sudden, these guys, they just disregard everything else. Now, I think you have a sense of what I'm talking about if you're a parent. And you tell your children. Now, I'm going to do this. Now, I want you to do this. Now, it's very important. You understand me. Yeah, yeah. L look at me. This is what I want you to not repeat. At. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after all that, they do it completely opposite. You say, what was the matter? What did you do? I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, does it? But it happens. Obedience is the key word in chapters 8 9 and 10. These three chapters are the priestly chapters. He deals with sacrifice, chapter 1 through 7. 8, 9, 10, he deals with the priest. He goes on to chapter 11 through 15. He deals with ceremonial cleanness and the clean food, the unclean food. Here he focuses on the mediator, the priest. And you can find through chapter 8, 9, and 10 the word command. The word, I did as the Lord commanded me. You can find it over 30 times. Through chapter 10, you find the implications of obedience, disobedience, almost in every verse, if not every other verse. Obedience. The scriptures declare, remember when Saul disobeyed God and he entered into the sacrifice and he said that the people forced me and, and Samuel, you did not come in time. And yet Samuel said, it's better to obey than to sacrifice and to hearken to the fatter rams for the sin of rebelliousness or the sin of disobedience is, is equal to the sin of witchcraft. The sin of witchcraft. Why? Because you're obeying a different spirit. If you and I are not obeying the spirit of God, then I don't care whether it's your spirit. I don't care whether it's the spirit of the world. I don't care whether it's the spirit of Satan. You are obeying another spirit. And the Bible says that's like the sin of witchcraft. And those who worship in witchcraft 
worship another power, another spirit, and it isn't God. That's a tremendous statement. Have you ever thought about that? 1 Samuel 15, 22. Look it up. That's a heavy statement. God desires your obedience and mine more than anything else. He doesn't care about your sacrifice. He doesn't care about your works. He doesn't care about anything except your obedience to the revealed will of God. The thing that's on your lap right now, that book with all those pages, with all those words, that's what he wants you to be obedient to. If you and I are obedient to those words, then everything else is going to go flow out of our lives, the actions, the works, everything else. But when we put all those other things before the obedience of the word of God, God doesn't look at anything that takes place. You understand what I'm talking about? Because the attitude, the heart is not right. And if the heart is not right, God cannot honor anything else. Nothing at all. I don't care about the tears. I don't care about the emotions. He cares about obedience. You say, isn't that harsh? No, that's, that's the best for you, best for me. Because if you live your life by tears and emotions, you will destroy your life. Feelings. Listen to a lot of the sermons you hear on radio and TV. They talk about feelings. You need to be happy. It's not fair. It's all based on, on, on the physical. None of it is based on obedience. It's all based on what is right for me and what is fair for me and what I should have and what, what somebody did to me. All of that is irrelevant if it contradicts the revelation of God. And that's where the struggle comes in, isn't it? Do I do what I know to be right or do I do what I feel like doing? Now, the reason for their sin could have been twofold. Remember, we're always blaming somebody else for our sin. Wouldn't you agree? Well, see, if he wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. If she wouldn't have told me this, then I wouldn't have done that. If he only would have told me before, then I could have known, then I wouldn't have done that. And it just goes on and on and on. God says, Adam, where are you? What'd you do that for? Says the woman, Lord, you gave me. It's hard to own up to our sin, isn't it? And some things are real tragic. And we want to take side with the emotional side of it. And yet, every one of us make decisions. And we have to take responsibility for our actions and our part in that sin. Whatever it is, nobody can force you to do anything. You let yourself be taken in. You talk yourself into it. But you exercise your will, and so do I. Nobody can blame anybody. A young lady cannot blame a man for ripping her off sexually unless he rapes her. Then I can buy it. Other than that, she's a co-participant. And the same thing with a young man. Nobody gets forced into doing anything. Nobody's absolutely innocent. And God says, look at your sin. Acknowledge your sin. Confess your sin. Abandon your sin. And I'll blow your mind. But don't tell me you didn't have nothing to do with it. He's that one obedience. As I said, the reason for their sin could be twofold. One is found in verses 23 and 24 of the previous chapter. 
They could have been so excited at the appearance of God's glory that in their emotional state, they could have offered fire to repeat the appearance of God's glory again. Listen to verse 23 and 4. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Ooh, impressive, isn't it? Now put yourself in their place. They're there. They're the priests. They've got the garments. They're the only ones that have access. All of a sudden, this fire appears, and they get carried away in their motion, and they maybe said, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> and God says, no, don't do it. <laughs> but they did it. That's one possibility for the reason for their sin. Our emotions run high, don't they? You know you shouldn't do this, but your emotions are involved. And you start in the process. And God checks you. But the engine's running. It's hard to turn it off. You're in motion. And you commit. Then it's too late. Your emotions will rule you if you do not exercise your will to do the will of God. Beforehand, not during the circumstance situation. Young people, if you don't make up your mind that you're not going to be unequally yoked, right now, you will be unequally yoked to someone who doesn't know the Lord sooner or later. And I'm not talking just young people, single people, anybody who, does, who isn't married. If you don't make in your heart right now, I'm never going to be joined, I'm never going to date, I'm never going to marry anybody who's not a Christian, then you are safe. But if you don't do that, you will end up marrying someone who's not a Christian. Because you start with a date, your emotions start going, the engine gets rolling, and that's it, you're gone. And there's no way you're going to turn it off. You can't. There's no way. And so then we rationalize. Well, you know, God brought them to me because I'm witnessing to them. And, you know, we're not really involved, but, you know, and then before you know it, you're married. Or you fall into sexual sin. Why? Because your emotions get wrapped up. You have to make up your mind beforehand. You're going to obey God or you're not going to obey God. Because once your emotions get going, you might as well hang it up. It's just a matter of time. And you continue to compromise one way or the other. There could be a second reason. It is found in chapter 10 here, verses 8 and 11. They could have been intoxicated enough by liquor to impair their sound judgment. And they approached the altar irreverently offering profane fire. Listen to verse 8, down to verse 11. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It, sh it, it shall be a statue forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish, listen, between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord your God has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. That's another possibility. We can't be dogmatic about it, but at least we're drawing the possibilities from Scripture within the context. So there are two possibilities, emotionalism or intoxication. I'm not saying that was their sin. I'm saying that was a reason for their sin. You understand what I'm saying? Their sin was disobedience. 
And there are a lot of things that will lead you to your disobedience. They may not be the direct sin, but they're going to lead you to your sin. David went out in the balcony and he saw this beautiful naked woman. Now, I'm sure he got a check. I'm sure he didn't just say, what a beautiful creature of God. No. His eyes bugged out. He said, whoa, because he's a man. Now, God checked him. And he should have gone back in like he did and dropped it. But he went back in and didn't bring himself into captivity. He said, man, she's beautiful. Well, you know, I am king. Whose woman is that? The servant says, that's the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. There's another check. She's a married woman. David rationally, well, I'll just call her up. See how her husband's doing in battle. <laughs> Do you see how we rationalize our evil heart? David got check after check after check after check. Next thing he knew it, he was in bed with her. Because he kept ignoring the warnings. Because of his emotions. How did those emotions get running? Your mind. You know the most powerful sex organ in your body? It's between your ears, your brain. Your mind. You better watch your mind. Because that mind starts going, it starts stirring your emotions, and it starts stirring up your ugly heart, and things get moving, and things get destructive. David grieved it over and over again. Oh, I can handle it. I'm king. Hmm. It cost him the rest of his life, people. You understand what I'm talking about? God's grace is there to forgive you, but man, let me tell you, you may have to live with some heavy, heavy consequences because of the compromise, because of the disobedience. God wants to keep you from that. God wants to bless you. God wants to make you a light, a salt to the world. He wants you to have the best. The failure of their sin is said to be twofold. In verse 3, it's given to us right there. One, they did not regard God as holy by their actions. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. By their actions, they did not regard God as holy. Eighty-three times the word holy appears in the book of Leviticus. You get the message? Eighty-three times. Here it's specified. They did not regard God as holy by this action. Two, they didn't regard God's glory by their attitude. And before all the people, I must be glorified. This goes more than actions. It goes down to attitude. God says he will not share or give his glory to another. Isaiah 42, 8. God must receive all the glory. He will not share His glory with anybody. These guys were trying to rob. That's what the scriptures tell us. They were trying to bring the attention to them. How easy it is for people to want to get the glory for themselves, especially in the pulpit, especially as teachers, especially in ministry when you're up front. You start doing little things so people say, My, isn't He anointed? 
My, isn't he a tremendous teacher? Hey, you give God the glory. I don't want to be barbecued. You give God glory. If he uses you, just thank him. But don't rob him glory. Pastor Xavier Reese with a gentle reminder about giving honor where honor is due. And you can request a copy of today's essential study called Disobedience is Profane Fire to God. If you'd like a copy, it's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass this message along to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is Disobedience is Profane Fire to God. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. So how much of the Bible do we really need to obey? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 